Where all my children are the light Born in the sinning But steady striving to do right My people are warriors All we know is to fight Praying they see God in everything I write here This is a special edition of On One with Angela Rye I will be reading the volume one and volume two of special counsel Robert S. Mueller III's report on the investigation into Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election. His report was submitted pursuant to 28 CFR section 600.8 subsection C in March 2019. Why am I reading this report, you may ask? Because most of you have not. And I think it's important in our fight to preserve democracy that we understand what is before us, the existential threats that exist um, coming from Russia and how those threats have played out in not just interfering in the 2016 election, but somewhat in the 2014 elections and in the 2018 elections. I'm going to start with the table of contents because many of you may not get beyond the table of contents. And quite frankly, just listening to those, uh, I'm going to read volume one. And then when I get to volume two, I'll read the volume two table of contents. But when you get through these, you'll see that perhaps we have a problem. Table of contents, volume one, introduction to volume one, executive summary to volume one, the special counsel's investigation, Russian active measure measures, social media campaign. I'm going to read the subsections. A, structure of the Internet Research Agency. B, funding and oversight from Concord and Prigozhin. C, the IRA targets U.S. elections. One, the IRA ramps up U.S. operations as early as 2014. Two, U.S. operations through IRA-controlled social media accounts. Three, U.S. operations through Facebook. Four, U.S. operations through Twitter. Four, A, individualized accounts. Four, B, IRA botnet activities. Five, U.S. operations involving political rallies. Six, targeting and recruitment of U.S. persons. Seven, interactions and contacts with the Trump campaign. Seven, A, Trump campaign promotion of IRA political materials. Seven, B. Contact with Trump campaign officials in connection to rallies. Three, Russian hacking and dumping operations. A, GRU hacking directed at the Clinton campaign. A, one, GRU units target the Clinton campaign. A, two, intrusions into the DCCC and DNC networks. Two, A, initial access to B, Implantation of malware on DCCC and DNC networks. 2C, theft of documents from DNC and DCCC networks. B, dissemination of the hacked materials. B1, DC leaks. B2, Guccifer 2.0. B3, use of WikiLeaks. 3A, WikiLeaks expressed opposition toward the Clinton campaign. 3B, WikiLeaks first contact with Guccifer 2.0 and DC leaks. 3C, the GRU's transfer of stolen materials to WikiLeaks. 3D, WikiLeaks statements dissembling about the source of stolen materials. C, Additional GRU cyber operations. C1, summer and fall 2016 operations targeting Democrat-linked victims. C2, intrusions targeting the administration of U.S. elections. D, 
Trump campaign and the dissemination of hacked materials. One is redacted. One A, background. One B, contacts with the campaign about WikiLeaks. I believe that one is Roger Stone. We'll soon find out. One C is harm to ongoing matter because it and it is redacted. One D, WikiLeaks October 7th, 2016 release of stolen Podesta emails. One E, Donald Trump Jr. interaction with WikiLeaks. D2, other potential campaign interests in Russian hacked materials. 2A, Henry Okanyansky. I should have uh, (laughs) brought out the phonetic spelling for that. Okanyansky, a.k.a. Henry Greenberg. 2B, campaign efforts to obtain deleted Clinton emails. Roman numeral four, Russian government links to and contacts with the Trump campaign. A, campaign period, September 2015 through November 8th, 2016. A1, Trump Tower Moscow Project. 1A, Trump Tower Moscow Venture with the Crocus Group, 2013 through 2014. 1B, communications with IC expert investment company in Georgie Ritzka. Oh, Lord have mercy. Ritzkaladze. Something like that. Summer and fall 2015. Letter of intent. Sorry, this is 1C. Letter of intent and contacts to Russian government. October 2015 through January 2016. C1. Trump signs the letter of intent on behalf of the Trump organization. C2. Post LOI contacts with individuals in Russia. 1D. Discussions about Russia travel by Michael Cohen or candidate Trump. December 2015 through June 2016. D1, Sater's overtures to Cohen to travel to Russia. D2, candidate Trump's opportunities to travel to Russia. Two, George Papadopoulos. Origins, 2A is origins of campaign work. 2B, initial Russia-related contacts. 2C, March 31, foreign policy team meeting. 2D, George Papadopoulos learns that Russia has dirt in the form of Clinton emails, 2E, Russia-related communications with the campaign, 2F, Trump campaign knowledge of dirt, 2G, additional George Papadopoulos contact, 3, Carter Page, 3A, background, 3B, origins of, of an early campaign work, 3C, Carter Page's July 2016 trip to Moscow, 3D, later campaign work and removal from the campaign, Four, Dimitri Symes and the Center for the National Interest. Four, A, CNI and Dimitri Symes connect with the Trump campaign. Four, B, National Interest hosts a foreign policy speech at the Mayflower Hotel. Four, C, Jeff Sessions post speech interactions with CNI. Four, D, Jared Kushner's continuing contacts with Symes. Five, June 9th, 2016, meeting at Trump Tower, 5A, setting up the June 9 meeting, A1, outreach to Donald Trump Jr., A2, awareness of the meeting within the campaign, uh, 5B, the events of June 9, 2016, B1, arrangements for the meeting, B2, conduct of the meeting, C, post-June 9 events, 6, events at the Republican National Convention, A, 6A, Ambassador Kislyak's encounters with Senator Sessions and J.D. Gordon the week of the RNC. 6B, change to Republican Party platform. 7, post-convention contacts with Kislyak. 7A, Ambassador Kislyak invites J.D. Gordon to breakfast at the ambassador's residence. 7B, 
Senator Sessions' September 2016 meeting with Ambassador Kislyak. 8. Paul Manafort. 8A. Paul Manafort's ties to Russia and Ukraine. A1. Oleg Deripaska consulting work. A2. Political consulting work. A3. Konstantin Kalimnik. 8B. Contacts during Paul Manafort's time with the Trump campaign. B1. Paul Manafort joins the campaign. B2, Paul Manafort's campaign period contacts. B3, Paul Manafort's two campaign period meetings with Konstantin Kalimnik in the United States. C, post-resignation activities. B, post-election and transition period contacts. B1, immediate post-election activity. 1A, outreach from the Russian government. 1B, high-level encouragement of contacts through alternative channels. 2, Kirill Dimitriev's Transitionary Outreach to the Incoming Administration, 2A. Background, 2B, Kirill Dimitriev's post-election contacts with the incoming administration, 2C. Eric Prince and Kirill Dimitriev's meet in the Seychelles, C1. George Nader and Eric Prince arrange Seychelles meeting with Dimitriev, 2. The Seychelles meeting, 3. Eric Prince's meeting with Steve Bannon after the Seychelles trip, 2D. Kirill Dimitriev's post-election contact with Rick Gerson regarding U.S.-Russia relations. B3, Ambassador Kislyak's meeting with Jared Kushner and Michael Flynn in Trump Tower following the election. B4, Jared Kushner's meeting with Sergei Gorkov. B5, Peter Avins' outreach efforts to the transition team. B6, Carter Page contact with Deputy Prime Minister Arkady Dvorkovich. Dvorkovich. B7, contacts with and through Michael T. Flynn. 7A, United Nations vote on Israeli settlements. 7B, U.S. sanctions against Russia. 5, prosecution and declination decisions. 5A, Russian active measures, social media campaign. B, Russian hacking and dumping operations. B1, Section 1030, computer intrusion conspiracy. 1A, background. 1B, charging decision as to it's redacted for harm to an ongoing matter. B2, potential section 1030 violation by personal privacy is redacted. C, Russian government outreach and contacts. C1, potential coordination, conspiracy and collusion. C2, potential coordination, uh, foreign agent statutes, FARA and 18 USC section 951. 2A, governing law. 2B, application. 3, campaign finance. 3A, overview of governing law. 3B, application to June 9, Trump Tower meeting. B1, thing of value element. B2, willfulness. B3, difficulties in valuing promised information. 3C, application to WikiLeaks, redacted. C1, questions over, redacted for harm to ongoing member matter. C2, willfulness. C3, constitutional considerations. C4, analysis, redacted. Four, false statements and obstruction of the investigation. 4A, overview of governing law. 4B, application to certain individuals. B1, George Papadopoulos. B2, redacted for personal privacy. Again, I believe that's Roger Stone. B3, Michael Flynn. B4, Michael Cohen. B5, redacted b6 jeff sessions b7 others interviewed during the investigation <laughs> 
We are through the table of contents. I bring you to the introduction to volume one. Introduction to volume one. This report is submitted to the attorney general pursuant to 28 CFR section 600.8 subsection C, which states that At the conclusion of the special counsel's work, he shall provide the attorney general a confidential report report explaining the prosecution or declination decisions the special counsel reached. The Russian government interfered in the 2016 presidential election in sweeping and systematic fashion. Evidence of Russian government operations began to surface in mid-2016. In June, the Democratic National Committee and its cyber response team publicly announced that Russian hackers had compromised its computer network. Releases of hacked materials, hacks that public reporting soon attributed to the Russian government, began that same month. Additional releases followed in July through the organization WikiLeaks, with further releases in October and November. In late July 2016, soon after WikiLeaks' first release of stolen documents, a foreign government contacted the FBI about a May 2016 encounter with Trump campaign foreign policy advisor George Papadopoulos. Papadopoulos has suggested to a representative of that foreign government that the Trump campaign had received indications from the Russian government that it could assist the campaign through the anonymous release of information damaging to Democratic presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. That information prompted the FBI on July 31st, 2016, to open an investigation into whether individuals associated with the Trump campaign were coordinating with the Russian government in its interference activities. That fall, two federal agencies jointly announced that the Russian government directed recent compromises of emails from U.S. persons and institutions including U.S. political organizations, and these thefts and disclosures are intended to interfere with the U.S. election process. After the election in late December 2016, the United States imposed sanctions on Russia for having interfered in the election. By early 2017, several congressional committees were examining Russia's interference in the election. Within the executive branch, these investigatory efforts ultimately led to the May 2017 appointment of special counsel Robert S. Mueller III. The order appointing the special counsel authorized him to investigate the Russian government's efforts to interfere in the 2016 presidential election, including any links or coordination between the Russian government and individuals associated with the Trump campaign. As set forth in detail in this report, the special counsel's investigation established that Russia interfered in the 2016 presidential election principally through two operations. First, a Russian entity carried out a social media campaign that favored presidential candidate Donald J. Trump and disparaged presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. Second, a Russian intelligence service conducted computer intrusion operations against entities, employees, and volunteers working on the Clinton campaign, and then released stolen documents. The investigation also identified numerous links between the Russian government and the Trump campaign. Although the investigation established that the Russian government perceived it would benefit 
from a Trump presidency and worked to secure that outcome and that the campaign expected it would benefit electorally from information stolen and released through Russian efforts, the investigation did not establish that members of the Trump campaign conspired or coordinated with the Russian government in its election interference activities. Below, we describe the evidentiary evidentiary considerations underpinning statements about the results of our investigation and the special counsel's charging decisions. And we then provide an overview of the two volumes of our report. The report describes actions and events that the special counsel's office found to be supported by the evidence collected in our investigation. In some instances, the report points out the absence of evidence or conflicts in the evidence about a particular fact or event. In other instances, when substantial, credible evidence enabled the office to reach a conclusion with confidence, the report states that the investigation established that certain actions or events occurred. A statement that the investigation did not establish particular facts does not mean there was no evidence of those facts. In evaluating whether evidence about collective action of multiple individuals constituted a crime, we applied the the framework of conspiracy law, not the concept of collusion. In so doing, the office recognized that the word collude was used in communications with the acting attorney general, confirming certain aspects of the investigation scope and that the term had frequently been invoked in public reporting about the investigation. But collusion is not a specific offense or theory of liability found in the United States Code, nor is it a term of art in federal criminal law. For those reasons, the office's focus in analyzing questions of joint criminal liability was on conspiracy as defined in federal law. In connection with that analysis, we addressed the factual question whether members of the Trump campaign coordinated a term that appears in the appointment order with Russian election interference activities. Like collusion, coordination does not have a settled definition in federal criminal law. We understood coordination to require an agreement, tacit or express, between the Trump campaign and the Russian government on election interference. That requires more than the two parties taking actions that were informed by or responsive to the other's actions or interests. We applied the term coordination in that sense when stating in the report that the investigation did not establish that the Trump campaign coordinated with the Russian government in its election interference activities. The report on our investigation consists of two volumes. Volume one. Volume one describes the factual results of the special counsel's investigation of Russia's interference in the 2016 presidential election and its interactions with the Trump campaign. Section one describes the scope of the investigation. Sections two and three describe the principal ways Russia interfered in the 2016 presidential election. Section four describes links between the Russian government and individuals associated with the Trump campaign. Section five sets forth the special counsel's charging decisions. Volume two addresses the president's actions towards the FBI's investigation into Russia's interference in the 2016 presidential election and related matters, and his actions towards the special counsel's investigation. Volume two separately states 
its framework and the considerations that guided that investigation. Executive summary to volume one, Russian social media campaign. The Internet Research Agency, IRA, carried out the earliest Russian interference operations identified by the investigation, a social media campaign designed to provoke and amplify political and social discord in the United States. The IRA was based in St. Petersburg, Russia, and received funding from Russian oligarch Yegevny Pregozin and companies he controlled. Pregozin is widely reported to have ties to Russian President Vladimir Putin. The last part of this is redacted. In mid-2014, the IRA sent employees to the United States on an intelligence-gathering mission with instructions. The rest of the paragraph is redacted. The IRA later used social media accounts and interest groups to sow discord in the U.S. political system through what it termed information warfare. The campaign evolved from a generalized program designed in 2014 and 2015 to undermine the U.S. electoral system to a targeted operation that by early 2016 favored candidate Trump and disparaged candidate Clinton. The IRA's operation also included the purchase of political advertisements on social media in the names of U.S. persons and entities, as well as the staging of political rallies inside the United States. To organize those rallies, IRA employees posed as U.S. grassroots entities and persons and made contact with Trump supporters and Trump campaign officials in the United States. The investigation did not identify evidence that any U.S. persons conspired or coordinated with the IRA. Section two of this report details the office's investigation of the Russian social media campaign. Russian hacking operations. At the same time that the IRA operation began to focus on supporting candidate Trump in early 2016, the Russian government employed a second form of interference, cyber intrusions, hacking, and released releases of hacked materials damaging to the Clinton campaign. The Russian intelligence service known as the main intelligence directorate of the general staff of the Russian army, GRU, carried out these operations. In March 2016, the GRU began hacking the email accounts of Clinton campaign volunteers and employees, including campaign chairman John Podesta. In April 2016, The GRU hacked into the computer networks of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, DCCC, and the Democratic National Committee, DNC. The GRU stole hundreds of thousands of documents from the compromised email accounts and networks. Around the time the DNC announced in mid-June 2016 the Russian government's role in hacking its network, the GRU began disseminating stolen materials through the fictitious online personas DC Leaks, and Guccifer 2.0. The GRU later released additional materials through the organization WikiLeaks. The presidential campaign of Donald J. Trump, Trump campaign or campaign, showed interest in WikiLeaks release of documents and welcomed their potential to damage candidate Clinton. Beginning in June 2016, redacted, forecast to senior campaign officials that WikiLeaks would would release information damaging to candidate Clinton. 
WikiLeaks first release came in July 2016, around the same time. Candidate Trump announced that he hoped Russia would recover emails described as missing from a private server used by Clinton when she was secretary of state. He later said that he was speaking sarcastically. This next sentence is redacted for harm to ongoing matter. WikiLeaks began releasing Podesta's stolen emails on October 7, 2016, less than one hour after a U.S. media outlet released video considered damaging to candidate Trump. Section three of this report details the office's investigation into the Russian hacking operations, as well as other efforts by Trump campaign supporters to obtain Clinton-related emails. Russian contacts with the campaign. The social media campaign and the GRU hacking operations coincided with the series of contacts between Trump campaign officials and individuals with ties to the Russian government. The office investigated whether these contacts reflected or resulted in the campaign conspiring or coordination or coordinating with Russia in its election interference activities. Although the investigation established that the Russian government perceived it would benefit from a Trump presidency and worked to secure that outcome and that the campaign expected it would benefit electorally from information stolen and released through Russian efforts, the investigation did not establish that members of the Trump campaign conspired or coordinated with the Russian government in its election interference activities. The Russian contacts consisted of business connections, offers of assistance to the campaign, invitations for candidate Trump and Putin to meet in person, invitations for campaign officials and representatives of the Russian government to meet, and policy positions seeking improved U.S.-Russian relations. Section four of this report details the contacts between Russia and the Trump campaign during the campaign and transition periods, the most salient of which are summarized below in chronological order. 2015. Some of the earliest contacts were made in connection with the Trump Organization Real Estate Project in Russia known as Trump Tower Moscow. Candidate Trump signed a letter of intent for Trump Tower Moscow by November 2015. And in January 2016, Trump Organization Executive Michael Cohen emailed and spoke about the project with the Office of Russian Government Press Secretary Dmitry Peskov. The Trump Organization pursued the project through at least June 2016, including by considering travel to Russia by Cohen and candidate Trump. Spring 2016, campaign foreign policy advisor George Papadopoulos made early contact with Joseph Mifsud, a London-based professor who had connections to Russia and traveled to Moscow in April 2016. Immediately upon his return to London from that trip, Mifsud told Papadopoulos that the Russian government had dirt on Hillary Clinton in the form of thousands of emails. One week later, in the first week of May 2016, Papadopoulos suggested to a representative of a foreign government that the Trump campaign had received indications from the Russian government that it could assist the campaign through the anonymous release of information damaging 
to candidate Clinton. Throughout that period of time and for several months thereafter, Papadopoulos worked with Mifsud and two Russian nationals to arrange a meeting between the campaign and the Russian government. No meeting took place. Summer 2016. Russian outreach to the Trump campaign continued into the summer of 2016 as candidate Trump was becoming the presumptive Republican nominee for president. On June 9, 2016, for example, a Russian lawyer met with senior Trump campaign officials Donald Trump Jr., Jared Kushner, and campaign chairman Paul Manafort to deliver what the email proposing the meeting had described as official documents and information that would incriminate Hillary. The materials were dropped, were offered to Trump Jr. as part of Russia and its government's support for Mr. Trump. The written communications setting up the meeting showed that the campaign anticipated receiving information from Russia that could assist candidate Trump's electoral prospects. But the Russian lawyer's presentation did not provide such information. Days after the June 9th meeting, on June 14, 2016, a cybersecurity firm and the DNC announced that Russian government hackers had infiltrated the DNC and obtained access to opposition research on candidate Trump, among other documents. In July 2016, campaign foreign policy advisor Carter Page traveled in his personal capacity to Moscow and gave the keynote address at the new economic school. Page had lived and worked in Russia between 2003 and 2007. After returning to the United States, Page became acquainted with at least two Russian intelligence officers, one of whom was later charged in 2015 with conspiracy to act as an unregistered agent of Russia. Page's July 2016 trip to Moscow and his advocacy for pro-Russian foreign policy drew media attention. The campaign then distanced itself from Page and by late September 2016, removed him from the campaign. July 2016 was also the month WikiLeaks first released emails stolen by the GRU from the DNC. On July 22, 2016, WikiLeaks posted thousands of internal DNC documents revealing information about the Clinton campaign. Within days, there was public reporting that U.S. intelligence agencies had high confidence that the Russian government was behind theft of emails and documents from the DNC. And within a week of the release, a foreign government informed the FBI about its May 2016 interaction with Papadopoulos and his statement that the Russian government could assist the Trump campaign. On July 31st, 2016, based on the foreign government reporting, the FBI opened an investigation into potential coordination between the Russian government and individuals associated with the Trump campaign. Separately, on August 2nd, 2016, Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort met in New York City with his longtime business associate, Konstantin Kilimnik, who the FBI assesses to have ties to Russian intelligence. Kilimnik requested the meeting to deliver in person a peace plan for Ukraine that Manafort acknowledged to the special counsel's office was a backdoor way for Russia to control part of eastern Ukraine. Both men believe the plan would require candidate Trump's assent to succeed were he to be elected president. 
They also discussed the status of the Trump campaign and Manafort strategy for winning Democratic votes in Midwestern states. Months before that meeting, Manafort had caused internal polling data to be shared with Kalimnik, and the sharing continued for some period of time after their August meeting. Fall 2016. On October 7, 2016, the media released video of candidate Trump speaking in graphic terms about women years earlier, which was considered damaging to his candidacy. Less than an hour later, WikiLeaks made its second release. Thousands of John Podesta's emails that had been stolen by the GRU in March 2016. In late March 2016, the FBI and other U.S. government institutions were at the time continuing their investigation of suspected Russian government efforts to interfere in the presidential election. That same day, October 7th, the Department of Homeland Security and the Office of the Director of National Intelligence issued a joint public statement that the Russians, that the Russian government directed the recent compromises of emails from U.S. persons and institutions, including from U.S. political organizations. Those thefts and the disclosures of the hacked materials through online platforms such as WikiLeaks, the statement continued, are intended to interfere with the U.S. election process. Post-2016 election, immediately after the November 8th election, Russian government officials and prominent Russian businessmen began trying to make inroads into the new administration. The most senior levels of the Russian government encouraged these efforts. The Russian embassy made contact hours after the election to congratulate the president-elect and to arrange a call with President Putin. Several Russian businessmen picked up the effort from there. Kirill Dmitriev, the chief executive officer of Russians, Russia's sovereign wealth fund, was among the Russians who tried to make contact with the incoming administration. In early December, a business associate steered Dmitriev to Eric Krentz, a supporter of the Trump campaign and an associate of senior Trump advisor Steve Bannon. Dmitriev and Prince and Prince later met face to face in January 2017 in the Seychelles and discussed U.S.-Russia relations. During the same period, another business associate introduced Dmitriev to a friend of Jared Kushner, who had not served on the campaign or the transition team. Dmitriev and Kushner's friend collaborated on a short reconciliation plan for the United States and Russia, which Dmitriev implied had been cleared through Putin. The friend gave that proposal to Kushner before the inauguration, and Kushner later gave copies to Bannon and incoming Secretary of State Rex Tillerson. On December 29, 2016, then President Obama imposed sanctions on Russia for having interfered in the election. Incoming National Security Advisor Michael Flynn called Russia, Russian Ambassador Sergei Kislyak and asked Russia not to escalate the situation in response to the sanctions. The following day, Putin announced that Russia would not take retaliatory measures in response to the the sanctions at that time. Hours later, President-elect Trump tweeted, great move on delay by V. Putin. The next day, on December 31st, on December 31st, 2016, Kislyak called Flynn and told him the request had been received at the highest levels and Russia had chosen not to retaliate as a result of Flynn's request. 
on January 6, 2017. Members of the intelligence community briefed President-elect Trump on a joint assessment drafted and coordinated among the Central Intelligence Agency, FBI, and National Security Agency that concluded with high confidence that Russia had interfered in the election through a variety of means to assist Trump's candidacy and harm Clinton's. A declassified version of the assessment was publicly released that same day. Between mid-January 2017 and early February 2017, the Congressional Committee's the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, and the Senate Judiciary Committee announced that they would conduct inquiries or had already been conducting inquiries into Russian interference in the election. Then FBI Director James Comey later confirmed to Congress the existence of the FBI's investigation into Russian interference that had begun before the election. On March 20th, 2017, in open session testimony before HPSCI, Comey stated, I have been authorized by the Department of Justice to confirm that the FBI as part of our counterintelligence mission is investigating the Russian government's efforts to interfere in the 2016 presidential election. And that includes investigating the nature of any links between individuals associated with the Trump campaign and the the Russian government, and whether there was any coordination between the campaign and Russia's efforts. As with any counterintelligence investigation, this will also include an assessment of of whether any crimes were committed. The investigation continued under then-Director Comey for the next seven weeks until May 9th, 2017, when President Trump fired Comey as FBI director and action, which is analyzed in volume two of the report. On May 17, 2017, acting attorney general Rod Rosenstein appointed the special counsel and authorized him to conduct the investigation that Comey had confirmed in his congressional testimony, as well as matters arising directly from the investigation and any other matters with the scope of 28 CFR section 600.4, Subsection A, which generally covers efforts to interfere with or obstruct the investigation. President Trump reacted negatively to the special counsel's appointment. He told advisors that it was the end of his presidency, sought to have Attorney General Jefferson Jeff Sessions unrecused from the Russia investigation and to have the special counsel removed and engaged in efforts to curtail the special counsel's investigation and prevent the disclosure of evidence to it, including through public and private contacts with potential witnesses. Those and related actions are described and analyzed in volume two of the report. The special counsel's charging decisions. In reaching the charging decisions described in volume one of the report, the office determined whether the conduct it found amounted to a violation of federal criminal law chargeable under the principles of federal prosecution. See Justice Manual Section 9-27.000, 2018. The standard set forth in the Justice Manual is whether the conduct constitutes a crime, if so, whether admissible evidence would probably be sufficient to obtain and sustain a conviction, and whether prosecution would serve a substantial federal interest that cannot be adequately served by a prosecution elsewhere or through non-criminal alternatives. 
see Justice Manual Section 9-27.220. Section 5 of the report provides detailed explanations of the office's charging decisions, which contain three main components. First, the office determined that Russia's two principal interference operations in the 2016 U.S. presidential election, the social media campaign, and the hacking and dumping operations violated U.S. criminal law. Many of the individuals and entities involved in the social media campaign have been charged with participating in a conspiracy to defraud the United States by undermining through deceptive acts the work of federal agencies charged with regulating foreign influence in U.S. elections as well as related counts of identity theft. See United States versus Internet Research Agency et al. number 18CR32. Separately, Russian intelligence officers who carried out the hacking into Democratic Party computers and the personal email accounts of individuals affiliated with the Clinton campaign conspired to violate, among other federal laws, the federal computer intrusion statute. And they have been so charged. See United States versus Netekshow, Netekshow, I don't know how to pronounce that, at how number 18 CR 215. The rest of this paragraph is redacted because it's harmful to an ongoing matter and for personal privacy reasons. Second, while the investigation identified numerous links between individuals with ties to the Russian government and individuals associated with the Trump campaign, the evidence was not sufficient to support criminal charges. Among other things, the evidence was not sufficient to charge any campaign official as an unregistered agent of the Russian government or other Russian principal. In our evidence about the June 9th, 2016 meeting and WikiLeaks releases of hacked materials was not sufficient to charge a criminal campaign finance violation. Further, the evidence was not sufficient to charge that any member of the Trump campaign conspired with representatives of the Russian government to interfere in the 2016 election. Third, the investigation established that several individuals affiliated with the Trump campaign lied to the office and to Congress about their interactions with Russian-affiliated individuals and related matters. Those lies materially impaired the investigation of Russian election interference. The office charged some of those lies as violations of the Federal False Statement Statute. Former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn pleaded guilty to lying about his interactions with Russian Ambassador Kislyak during the transition period. George Papadopoulos, a foreign policy advisor during the campaign period, pleaded guilty to lying to investigators about inter alia the nature and timing of his interactions with Joseph Mifsud the professor who told Papadopoulos that the Russians had dirt on candidate Clinton in the form of thousands of emails. Former Trump organization attorney Michael Cohen pleaded guilty to making false statements to Congress about the Trump Moscow project. The sentence, the next sentence is redacted for harm to ongoing matter. And in February, 2019, the U S district court for the district of Columbia 
found that Manafort lied to the office and the grand jury concerning his interactions and communications with Konstantin Kalimnik about Trump campaign polling data and a peace plan for Ukraine. The office investigated several other events that have been publicly reported to involve potential Russia-related contacts. For example, the investigation established that interactions between Russian Ambassador Kislyak and Trump campaign officials, both at the candidate's April 2016 foreign policy speech in Washington, D.C., and during the week of the Republican National Convention, were brief, public, and non-substantive. And the investigation did not establish that one campaign official's efforts to dilute a portion of the Republican Party platform on providing assistance to Ukraine were undertaken at the behest of candidate Trump or Russia. The investigation also did not establish that a meeting between Kislyak and Sessions in September 2016 at Sessions Senate office included any more than a passing mention of the presidential campaign. The investigation did did not always yield admissible information or testimony or a complete picture of the activities undertaken by subjects of the investigation. Some individuals invoked their Fifth Amendment right against compelled self-incrimination and were not, in the office's judgment, appropriate candidates for grants of immunity. The office limited its pursuit of other witnesses and information, such as information known to attorneys or individuals claiming to be members of the media in light of internal Department of Justice policies. See, for example, Justice Manual Sections 9-13.400 and 13.410. Some of the information obtained via court process, moreover, was presumptively covered by legal privilege and was screened from investigators by a filter or taint team. Even when individuals testified or agreed to be interviewed, They sometimes provided information that was false or incomplete, leading to some of the false statements charges described above. And the office faced practical limits on its ability to access relevant evidence as well. Numerous witnesses and subjects lived abroad and documents were held outside the United States. Further, the office learned that some of the individuals we interviewed or whose conduct we investigated, including some associates with the Trump campaign, deleted relevant communications or communicated during the relevant period using applications that feature encryption or that do not provide for long-term retention of data or communication records. In such cases, the office was not able to corroborate witness statements through comparison to contemporaneous communications or fully question witnesses about statements that appeared inconsistent with other known facts. Accordingly, while this report embodies factual and legal determinations that the office believes to be accurate and complete to the greatest extent possible, given these identified gaps, the office cannot rule out the possibility that the unavailable information would shed additional light on or cast in a new light the evidence described in the report. The Special Counsel's Investigation. On May 17th, 2017, Deputy Attorney General Rod J. Rosenstein, then serving as Acting Attorney General for the Russian investigation following the recusal 
of former Attorney General Jeff Sessions on March 2nd, 2016, appointed the special counsel to investigate Russian interference with the 2016 presidential election and related matters. Office of the Deputy Attorney General Order Number 3915-2017. Appointment of Special Counsel to Investigate Russian Interference with the 2016 Presidential Election and Related Matters. May 17, 2017. Appointment Order. Relying on the authority vested in the Acting Attorney General including 28 U.S.C. Sections 509, 510, and 515, the Acting Attorney General ordered the appointment of a special counsel in order to discharge the Acting Attorney General's responsibility to provide supervision supervision and management of the Department of Justice and to ensure a full and thorough investigation of the Russian government's efforts to interfere in the 2016 presidential election. Appointment Order Introduction. The special counsel, the order stated, is authorized to conduct the investigation confirmed by then FBI Director James B. Comey in testimony before the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence on March 20th, 2017, including one, any links and or coordination between the Russian government and individuals associated with the campaign of President Donald Trump. And two, any matters that arose or may arise directly from the investigation. And three, any other matters within the scope of 28 CFR section 600.4 subsection A. Appointment order. Paragraph B. Section 600.4 affords the special counsel the authority to investigate and prosecute federal crimes committed in the course of and with intent to interfere with the special counsel's investigation, such as perjury, obstruction of justice, destruction of evidence, and intimidation of witnesses. 28 CFR section 600.4 subsection A. The authority to investigate any matters that arose directly from the investigation appointment order paragraph B2 covers similar crimes that may have occurred during the course of the FBI's confirmed investigation before the special counsel's appointment. If the special counsel believes it is necessary and appropriate, the order further provided the special counsel is authorized to prosecute federal crimes arising from the investigation of these matters. Paragraph C. Finally, the acting attorney general made applicable section 600.4 through 600.10 of Title 28 of the Code of Federal Regulations. I'm sorry, of the Code of Federal Regulations, paragraph D. The acting attorney general further clarified the scope of the special counsel's investigatory authority in two subsequent memoranda. A memorandum dated August 2nd, 2017, explained that the appointment order had been worded categorically in order to permit its public release without confirming specific investigations involving specific individuals. It then confirmed that the special counsel had been authorized since his appointment to investigate allegations that three Trump campaign officials, Carter Page, Paul Manafort, and George Papadopoulos committed a crime or crimes by colluding with Russian government officials with respect to the Russian government's efforts to interfere with the 2016 presidential election. The memorandum also confirmed the special counsel's authority 
to investigate certain other matters, including two additional sets of allegations involving Manafort. Crimes arising from payments he received from the Ukrainian government and crimes arising from his receipt of loans from a bank whose CEO was then seeking a position in the Trump administration. Allegations that Papadopoulos committed a crime or crimes by acting as an unregistered agent of the Israeli government and four sets of allegations involving Michael Flynn, the former national security advisor to President Trump. On October 20th, 2017, the acting attorney general confirmed in a memorandum the special counsel's investigative authority as to several individuals and entities. First, as part of a full and thorough investigation, of the Russian government's efforts to interfere in the 2016 presidential election, the special counsel was authorized to investigate the pertinent activities of Michael Cohen, Richard Gates, uh, redacted for personal privacy, Roger Stone. Oh, there goes my Roger Stone theory because his name is right here. And another redaction. Confirmation of the authorization to investigate such individuals. The memorandum stressed does not suggest that the special counsel has made a determination that any of them has committed a crime. Second, with respect to Michael Cohen, the memorandum recognized the special counsel's authority to investigate. Leads related to Cohen's establishment and use of Essential Consultants, LLC, to receive funds from Russian-backed entities. Third, The memorandum memorialized the special counsel's authority to investigate individuals and entities who were possibly engaged in jointly undertaking undertaken activity with existing subjects of the investigation, including Paul Manafort. Finally, the memorandum described an FBI investigation opened before the special counsel's appointment into allegations that then Attorney General Jeff Sessions made false statements to the United States Senate and confirmed the special counsel's authority to investigate that matter. The special counsel structured the investigation in view of his power and authority to exercise all investigative and prosecutorial functions of any United States attorney, 28 CFR uh, section 600.6, like a U.S. attorney's office. The special counsel's office considered a range of classified and unclassified information available to the FBI in the course of the office's Russia investigation. And the office structured that work around evidence for possible use in prosecutions of federal crimes, assuming that one or more crimes were identified that warranted prosecution. There was substantial evidence immediately available to the special counsel at the inception of the investigation in May 2017 because the FBI had by that time already investigated Russian election interference for nearly 10 months. The special counsel's office exercised its judgment regarding what to investigate and did not, for instance, investigate every public report of a contact between the Trump campaign and Russian affiliated individuals and entities. The office has concluded its investigation into links and coordination between the Russian government and individuals associated with the Trump campaign. Certain proceedings associated with the office's work remain ongoing. After consultation with the Office of the Deputy Attorney General, the office has transferred responsibility for those remaining issues to other other components of the Department of Justice and FBI. 
Appendix D lists those transfers. Two district courts confirmed the breadth of the special counsel's authority to investigate Russia election interferences and links and or coordinations with the Trump campaign. See United States versus Manafort. Two United States versus Manafort cases. In the course of conducting that investigation, the office periodically identified evidence of potential criminal activity that was outside the scope of the special counsel's authority established by the acting attorney general. After consultation with the office of the deputy attorney general, the office referred that evidence to appropriate law enforcement authorities, principally other components of the Department of Justice and to the FBI. Appendix D summarizes those referrals. To carry out the investigation and prosecution of the matters assigned to him, the special counsel assembled a team that at its high point included 19 attorneys, five of whom joined the office from private practice, and 14 on detail were assigned from other Department of Justice components. These attorneys were assisted by a filter team of department lawyers and FBI personnel who screened materials obtained via court process for privilege information before turning those materials over to investigators. A support staff of three paralegals on detail from the department's antitrust division and an administrative staff of nine responsible for budget, finance, purchasing, human resources, records, facilities, security, information technology, and administrative support. The special counsel attorneys and support staff were co-located with and worked alongside approximately 40 FBI agents, intelligence analysts, forensic accountants, a paralegal, and professional staff assigned by the FBI to assist the special counsel's investigation. Those assigned FBI employees remain under FBI supervision at all times. The matters on which they assisted were supervised by the special counsel. During during its investigation, the office issued more than 2,800 subpoenas under the auspices of a grand jury sitting in the District of Columbia, executed nearly 500 search and seizure warrants, obtained more than 230 orders of communication records under 18 USC section 2703, subsection D, obtained almost 50 orders authorizing use of pen registers, made 13 requests to foreign government pursuant to mutual legal assistance treaties, and interviewed approximately 500 witnesses, including almost 80 before a grand jury. From its inception, the office recognized that its investigation could identify foreign intelligence and counterintelligence information relevant to the FBI's broader national security mission. FBI personnel who assisted the office established procedures to identify and convey such information to the FBI. The FBI's counterintelligence division met with the office regularly for that purpose for most of the office's tenure. For more than the past year, the FBI also embedded personnel at the office who did not work on the special counsel's investigation, but whose purpose was to review the results of the investigation and to send, in writing, summaries of foreign intelligence and counterintelligence information to FBI HQ and FBI field offices. Those communications and other correspondence between the office and the FBI 
contain information derived from the investigation, not all of which is contained in this volume. This volume is a summary. It contains in the office's judgment that information necessary to account for the special counsel's prosecution and declination decisions and to describe the investigation's main factual results. Footnote one, FBI personnel assigned to the special counsel's office were required to adhere to all applicable federal law and all department and FBI regulations, guidelines, and policies. An FBI attorney worked on FBI-related matters for the office, such as FBI compliance with all FBI policies and procedures, including the FBI's domestic investigations and operation guide. The FBI attorney worked under FBI legal supervision, not the special counsel's supervision. Section two, Russian active measures, social media campaign. The first form of Russian election interference came principally from the Internet Research Agency, LLC, IRA, a Russian organization funded by Yevgeny Viktorovich Prigozhin. That's really hard. And I had it phonetically pronounced on other sheets. And companies he controlled, including Concord Management and Consulting LLC and Concord Catering, collectively Concord. The IRA conducted social media operations targeted at large U.S. audiences with the goal of sowing discord in the U.S. political system. These operations constituted active measures, a term that typically refers to operations conducted by Russian security services aimed at influencing the course of international affairs. There are footnotes here. I wonder if I should read them now. I'm going to read them now. Footnote two, the office is aware of reports that other Russian entities engaged in similar active measures, operations targeting the United States. Some evidence collected by the office corroborates those reports. And the office has shared that evidence with other offices in the Department of Justice and FBI. Uh, Footnote three is uh, partially redacted for harm to ongoing matter. See also SM-22306340044 analysis. The FBI case number cited here and other FBI case numbers identified in the report should be treated as law enforcement sensitive given the context. The report contains additional law enforcement sensitive information. Footnote four. As discussed in part five below, the active measures investigation has resulted in criminal charges against 13 individual Russian nationals and three Russian entities, principally for conspiracy to defraud the United States in violation of 18 U.S.C. Section 371, C. Volume 1, Section 5, A. Indictment, United States versus Internet Research Agency et al. The IRA and its employees began operations targeting the United States as early as 2014. Using fictitious U.S. personas, IRA employees operated social media accounts and group pages designed to attract U.S. audiences. These groups and accounts, which address divisive U.S. political and social issues, falsely claimed to be controlled by U.S. activists. Over time, the social media accounts became a means to reach large U.S. audiences 
IRA employees traveled to the United States in mid-2014 on an intelligence gathering mission to obtain information and photographs for use in their social media posts. IRA employees posted derogatory information about a number of candidates in the 2016 U.S. presidential election. By early to mid-2016, IRA operations included supporting the Trump campaign and disparaging candidate Hillary Clinton. The IRA made various expenditures to carry out those activities, including buying political advertisements on social media in the names of U.S. persons and entities. Some IRA employees posing as U.S. persons and without revealing their Russian association communicated electronically with individuals associated with the Trump campaign and with other political activists to seek to coordinate political activities, including the staging of political rallies. The investigation did not identify evidence that any U.S. person knowingly or intentionally coordinated with the IRA's interference operation. By the end of the 2016 U.S. election, the IRA had the ability to reach millions of U.S. persons through their social media accounts, multiple IRA-controlled Facebook groups, and Instagram accounts had hundreds of thousands of U.S. participants. IRA-controlled Twitter accounts separately had tens of thousands of followers, including multiple U.S. political figures who retweeted IRA-created content. In November 2017, a Facebook representative testified that Facebook had identified 470 IRA-controlled Facebook accounts that collectively made 80,000 posts between January 2015 and August 2017. Facebook estimated the IRA reached as many as 126 million persons through its Facebook accounts. In January 2018, Twitter announced that it had identified 3,814 IRA-controlled Twitter accounts and notified approximately 1.4 million people Twitter believed may have been in contact with an IRA-controlled account. Footnote 6, social media influence in the 2016 U.S. election hearing before the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence uh, during the 115th Congress, 11-117, testimony of Colin Stretch, general counsel of Facebook. We estimate that roughly 29 million people were served content in their news feeds directly from the IRA's 80,000 posts over the two years. Posts from these pages were also shared, liked, and followed by people on Facebook. And as a result, three times more people may have been exposed to a story that originated from the Russian operation. Our best estimate is that approximately 126 million people may have been served content from a page associated with the IRA at some point during the two-year period. The Facebook representative also testified that Facebook identified 170 Instagram accounts that posted approximately 120,000 pieces of content during that time. Facebook did not offer an estimate of the audience reach via Instagram. Footnote 7, Twitter update on Twitter's review of the 2016 U.S. election. January 31st, 2018.
structure of the Internet Research Agency, first paragraph is redacted with a footnotes, uh, CSM-2230634, serial 92. Footnote 9, harm to ongoing matter is also redacted. Footnote 10, also redacted. Footnote 11, CSM-2230634, serial 86, the rest of the footnotes redacted. Footnote 12 is also redacted. The growth, it says the organization grew, grew quickly or quickly grew. The growth of the organization also led to a more detailed organizational structure. This is on the structure of the Internet Research Agency, and it's largely redacted. The first full paragraph on page 16, redacted. Then two individuals headed the IRA's management. It's General Director Mikhail Bistroy and its Executive Director Mikhail Burchik. The rest of that paragraph redacted. As early as the spring of 2014, the IRA began to hide its funding and activities. The rest of that paragraph redacted. Next paragraph, the IRA's U.S. operations are part of a larger set of interlocking operations known as Project LACTA. The rest of that paragraph is also redacted. Section B, funding and oversight from Concord and Prigozhin. Until at least February 2018, Yevgeny Viktorovich Prigozhin and two Concord companies funded the IRA. Prigozhin is a wealthy Russian businessman who served as the head of Concord. The first line is redacted. Next sentence. Prigozhin was sanctioned by the U.S. Treasury Department in December 2016. Rest of this paragraph is redacted except numerous media sources have reported on Prigozhin's ties to Putin and the two have appeared together in public photographs. There's a New York Times citation here, as well as the Treasury Department citation and footnotes. The next paragraphs on this page, on page 17, all redacted. Page 18, all redacted except for one footnote, 28. The term troll refers to Internet users, in this context, paid operatives who post inflammatory or otherwise otherwise disruptive content on social media or other websites. Page 19, IRA employees were aware that Prigozhin was involved in the IRA's U.S. operations. The rest of this paragraph is redacted. Uh, Or next two sentences are redacted. Next sentence, in May 2016, IRA employees claiming to be U.S. social activists and administrators of Facebook groups recruited U.S. persons to hold signs including one in front of the White House that read, Happy 55th Birthday, Dear Boss, as an homage to Prigozhin, whose 55th birthday was on June 1st, 2016. The rest of this sentence is redacted. The next full paragraph is redacted. Section C, the IRA targets U.S. elections. The IRA ramps up U.S. operations as early as 2014. The IRA's U.S. operations sought to influence public opinion through online media and forums. By the spring of 2014, the IRA began to consolidate U.S. operations within a single general department known internally as the Translator Department. This next sentence is redacted. IRA subdivided the Translator Department into different responsibilities 
ranging from operations on different social media platforms to analytics to graphics and IT. The next full page is redacted. It's page 20. Start at 21, first full paragraphs redacted, second full paragraphs redacted. IRA employees also traveled to the United States on intelligence gathering missions. It In June 2014, four IRA employees applied to the U.S. Department of State to enter the United States while lying about the purpose of their trip and claiming to be four friends who had met at a party. Ultimately, two IRA employees, Anna Bogacheva and Alexandra Krylova, received visas and entered the United States on June 4th, 2014. Prior to traveling, Krylova and Bogacheva compiled itineraries and instructions for the trip. Next full paragraph is redacted. All the footnotes are redacted except for C38, uh, footnote 38, C, SM2230634, serials 150 and 172, all redacted for harm to ongoing measure on page 21. Page 22, the top is redacted. Two, U.S. operations through IRA-controlled social media accounts. Dozens of IRA employees are responsible for operating accounts and personas on different U.S. social media platforms. The IRA referred to employees assigned to operate the social media accounts as specialists. Starting as early as 2014, the IRA's U.S. operations included social media specialists focusing on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. The IRA later added specialists who operated on Tumblr and Instagram accounts. Initially, the IRA created social media accounts that pretended to be the personal accounts of U.S. persons. By early 2015, the IRA began to create larger larger social media groups or or public social media pages that claim falsely to be affiliated with U.S. political and grassroots organizations. In certain cases, the IRA created accounts that mimicked real U.S. or U.S. organizations. For example, one IRA-controlled Twitter account at 10 underscore GOP purported to be connected to the Tennessee Republican Party. More commonly, the IRA created accounts in the names of fictitious U.S. organizations and grassroots groups and use these accounts to pose as anti-immigration groups, Tea Party activists, Black Lives Matter protesters, and other U.S. social and political activists. The IRA clearly monitored the, the activity of its social media accounts. The rest is redacted. Their footnotes 40 through 44 are redacted. And there's a citation to a Facebook ID for Alex Anderson, Andrea Hansen, Gary Williams, and Lakeisha Richardson, and then the Tennessee GOP uh, Twitter handle. The account claimed to be the unofficial Twitter Tennessee Republicans and made posts that appeared to be endorsements of the state political party. And see, for example, um, at 10 GOP on 4316, Tennessee GOP backs real Donald Trump, period. Hashtag make America great again. Hashtag TNGOP. Hashtag Tennessee. Hashtag GOP. The first part of page 23 is redacted for harm to ongoing matter by February 2016. 
internal IRA documents referred to support for the Trump organization, the Trump campaign and opposition to candidate Clinton. Footnote 49, the IRA posted content about the Clinton candidacy before Clinton officially announced her presidential campaign. IRA controlled social media accounts, criticized Clinton's record as secretary of state and promoted various critiques of her candidacy. The IRA also used other techniques. Main idea, for example, this is redacted directions to IRA operators also redacted. Main idea, use any opportunity to criticize Hillary Clinton and the rest except Sanders and Trump. We support them. The rest is redacted. The focus on the U.S. presidential campaign continued throughout 2016. And this is redacted 2016 internal. This is redacted reviewing the IRA controlled Facebook group secured borders. The author criticized the low number of posts dedicated to criticizing Hillary Clinton and reminded the Facebook specialists it is imperative to identify and to intensify criticizing Hillary Clinton. IRA employees also acknowledged that their work focused on influencing U.S. presidential elections. The next full paragraph is redacted, as well as the footnotes. Three, U.S. operations through Facebook. Many IRA operations use Facebook accounts created and operated by its specialists. All the rest is redacted. Last sentence is not. IRA Facebook groups acted during the 2016 campaign, covered a range of political issues, and included purported conservative groups with names such as being patriotic, stop all immigrants, secured borders, and Tea Party News. Purported Black social justice groups, Black Matters, Blacktivists, and Don't Shoot Us, LGBTQ groups, LGBT United, and religious group, United Muslims Muslims for America. Throughout 2016, IRA accounts published an increasing number of materials supporting the Trump campaign and opposing the Clinton campaign. For example, on May 31st, 2016, the operational account Matt Skibber began to privately message dozens of pro-Trump Facebook groups asking them to help plan a pro-Trump rally near Trump Tower. To reach larger U.S. audiences, the IRA purchased advertisements from Facebook that promoted the IRA groups on the newsfeed of U.S. audience members. According to Facebook, the IRA purchased over 3,500 advertisements and the expenditures totaled approximately $100,000. During the U.S. presidential campaign, many IRA purchased advertisements explicitly supported or opposed a presidential candidate or promoted U.S. rallies organized by the IRA. Discussion below. As early as March 2016, the IRA purchased advertisements that overtly opposed the Clinton campaign. For example, on March 18, 2016, the IRA purchased an advertisement depicting candidate Clinton and a caption that read in part, if one day God lets this liar enter the White House as president, that day would be a real national tragedy. Similarly, on April 6, 2016, the IRA purchased advertisements for 
its account, Black Matters, calling for a flash mob of U.S. persons to take a photo with Hillary Clinton for prison 2016 or no Hillary 2016. Hashtags. IRA purchased advertisements featuring Clinton wear, featuring Clinton were with very few exceptions negative. IRA purchased advertisements referencing candidate Trump largely supported his campaign. The first known IRA advertisement explicitly endorsing the Trump campaign was purchased on April 19, 2016. The IRA bought an advertisement for its Instagram account, Tea Party News, asking U.S. persons to help them make a patriotic team of young Trump supporters by uploading photos with the hashtag Kids for Trump. In subsequent months, the IRA purchased dozens of advertisements supporting the Trump campaign, predominantly through the Facebook group Groups being patriotic, stop all invaders, and secured borders. Collectively, the IRA's social media accounts reached tens of millions of U.S. persons. Individual IRA social media accounts attracted hundreds of thousands of followers. For example, at the time they were deactivated by Facebook in mid-2017, the IRA's United Muslims for, of America Facebook group had over 300,000 followers. The Don't Shoot Us Facebook group had over 250,000 followers. The Being Patriotic Facebook group had over 200,000 followers. And the Secured Borders Facebook group had over 130,000 followers. According to Facebook, in total, the IRA-controlled accounts made over 80,000 posts before their deactivation in August 2017. And these posts reached at least 29 million U.S. persons and may have reached an estimated 126 million people. U.S. operations through Twitter. A number of IRA employees assigned to the translator department served as Twitter specialists. The rest is redacted. Next paragraph. The IRA, IRA's Twitter operations involved two strategies. First, IRA specialists operated certain Twitter accounts to create individual U.S. personas. The rest of the sentence is redacted. Separately, the IRA operated a network of automated of automated Twitter accounts commonly referred to as a bot network that enabled the IRA to amplify existing content on Twitter. A individualized accounts are redacted for harm to ongoing matter. Most of the footnotes are also redacted. Harm to ongoing matter is how it starts on page 27 with the accompanying footnote redacted. The IRA operated individualized Twitter accounts similar to the operation of its Facebook accounts by continuously posting original content to the accounts while also communicating with U.S. Twitter users directly through public tweeting or Twitter's private messaging. The IRA used many of these accounts to attempt to influence U.S. audiences on the election. Individualized accounts used to influence the U.S. presidential election included it's at 10 underscore GOP described above at Jen underscore Abrams claiming to be a Virginian Trump supporter with 70,000 followers at Pamela underscore more 13 claiming to be a Texan Trump supporter with 70,000 followers and at America underscore first underscore an anti-immigration persona with 24,000 followers. In May 2016, the IRA created the Twitter account 
at March underscore four underscore Trump, which promoted IRA organized rallies in support of the Trump campaign described below. The next two paragraphs are redacted. Using the accounts, these accounts and others, the IRA provoked reactions from users and the media. Multiple IRA posted tweets gained popularity. U.S. media outlets also quoted tweets from IRA controlled accounts and attributed them to the reactions of real U.S. persons. Some relevant footnotes include uh, footnote 70. For example, one IRA account tweeted to those people who hate the Confederate flag. Did you know that the flag in the war wasn't about slavery? It was all about the money. The tweet received over 40,000 responses. That was at Jen underscore Abrahams on 42417. Footnote 71 are a Columbia Journalism Review, a Washington Post article, and a U.S. News and World Report article, all citing IRA run accounts. Similarly, non-numerous high-profile U.S. persons, including former Ambassador Michael McFaul, Roger Stone, Sean Hannity, and Michael Flynn Jr., retweeted or responded to tweets posted to these IRA-controlled accounts. Multiple individuals affiliated with the Trump campaign also promoted IRA tweets. There are examples in the footnotes following. The next Three paragraphs under IRA botnet activities are redacted for harm to ongoing matter. The final paragraph on page 28 is in January 2018, Twitter publicly identified 3,814 Twitter accounts associated with the IRA, according to Twitter. In the 10 weeks before the 2016 U.S. presidential election, these accounts posted approximately 175,993 tweets, approximately 8.4% of of which were election related. Twitter also announced that it had notified approximately 1.4 million people who Twitter believed may have been in contact with an IRA controlled account. Five, U.S. operations involving political rallies. The IRA organized and promoted political rallies inside the United States while posing as U.S. grassroots activists. First, the IRA used one of its pre-existing social media personas, Facebook groups and Twitter accounts, for example, to announce and promote the event. The IRA then sent a large number of direct messages to followers of its social media account asking them to attend the event. From those who responded with interest in attending, the IRA then sought a U.S. person to serve as the event's coordinator. In most most cases, the IRA account operator would tell the U.S. person that they personally cannot attend the event due to some pre-existing conflict or because they were somewhere else in the United States. The IRA then further promoted the event by contacting U.S. media about the event and directing them to speak with the coordinator. After the event, the IRA posted videos and photographs of the event to the IRA's social media accounts. The office identified dozens of U.S. rallies organized by the IRA. The earliest evidence of a rally was a Confederate rally in November 2015. 
The IRA continued. I was looking at the footnote. It's an Instagram note for Stand for Freedom, 11315. The post says, good evening, buds. Well, I am planning to organize a Confederate rally in Houston on the 14th of November, and I want more people to attend. The IRA continued to organize rallies even after the 2016 U.S. presidential election. The attendance at rallies varied. Some rallies appear to have drawn few, if any, participants, while others drew hundreds. The reach and success of these rallies was closely monitored. The rest of this paragraph redacted for harm to ongoing matter. The next full page, 30, completely redacted due to harm to ongoing matter. Page 31. From June 2016 until the end of the presidential campaign, almost all of the U.S. rallies organized by the IRA focused on the U.S. election, often promoting the Trump campaign and opposing the Clinton campaign. Pro-Trump rallies included three in New York, a series of pro-Trump rallies in Florida in August 2016, and a series of pro-Trump rallies in October 2016 in Pennsylvania. The Florida rallies drew the attention of the Trump campaign, which posted about the Miami rally on candidate Trump's Facebook account, as discussed below. Many of the same IRA employees who oversaw the IRA social media accounts also conducted the day-to-day recruiting for political rallies inside the United States. The rest of this paragraph is redacted for harm to ongoing matter. There's an example of a rally miners for Trump bring back our jobs that is an IRA poster for Pennsylvania rallies organized by the IRA. Six, targeting and recruitment of U.S. persons. As early as 2014, the IRA instructed its employees to target U.S. persons who could be used to advance its operational goals. Initially, recruitment focused on U.S. persons who could amplify the content posted by the IRA. The rest of this sentence, the next sentence and the next full paragraph are redacted for harm to ongoing matter. IRA employees frequently used, redacted, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to contact and recruit U.S. persons who followed the group. The IRA recruited U.S. persons from across the political spectrum. For example, the IRA targeted the family of... This is redacted for personal privacy and a number of black social justice activists while posing as a a grassroots group called Black Matters U.S. In February 2017, the persona Black Fist purporting to want to teach African-Americans to protect themselves when contacted by law enforcement hired a self-defense instructor in New York to offer classes sponsored by Black Fist. The IRA also recruited moderators of conservative social media groups to promote IRA-generated content, as well as recruited individuals to perform political acts such as walking around New York City dressed up as Santa Claus with a Trump mask. The next full paragraph is redacted due to harm to ongoing matter. Uh, The footnotes, Facebook messages, um, arranging to pay for plane tickets and for a bullhorn for a protest from Taylor Brooks on 11-11 to 11-27-2016. Just read needs to try to push this, put this together. This is confusing. And there's a Twitter DM for March for Trump at March underscore four underscore Trump. Uh, the next one is Matt Skyber discussing payment for rally supplies and Twitter DM at March underscore four underscore Trump to discussing payment for construction materials. 
starting next paragraph is redacted. As the IRA's online audience became larger, the IRA tracked U.S. persons with whom they communicated and had successfully tasked with tasks ranging from organizing rallies to taking pictures with certain political messages. The rest of this paragraph is redacted as is footnote 95, page 33. The whole first paragraph section is redacted. Seven, interactions and contacts with the Trump campaign. The investigation identified two different forms of connection between the IRA and members of the Trump campaign. The investigation identified no similar connections between the IRA and the Clinton campaign. No similar connections between the IRA and the Clinton campaign. Just read again for emphasis only. First, on multiple occasions, members and surrogates of the Trump campaign promoted, typically by linking, retweeting, or similar methods of reposting, pro-Trump or anti-Clinton content published by the IRA through IRA-controlled social media accounts. Additionally, in a few instances, IRA employees represented themselves as U.S. persons to communicate with members of the Trump campaign in an effort to seek assistance and coordination on IRA organized political rallies inside the United States. A. Trump campaign promotion of IRA political materials. Among the U.S., leaders of public opinion targeted by the IRA were various members and surrogates of the Trump campaign. In total, Trump campaign affiliates promoted dozens of tweets, posts, and other political content created by the IRA. Posts from the IRA-controlled Twitter account at 10 underscore GOP were cited or retweeted by multiple Trump campaign officials and surrogates, including Donald J. Trump Jr., Eric Trump, Kellyanne Conway, Brad Parscale, and Michael T. Flynn. These posts included allegations of voter fraud, as well as allegations that Secretary Clinton had mishandled classified information. A November 7, 2016 post from the IRA-controlled Twitter account at Pamela underscore more 13 was retweeted by Donald J. Trump Jr. On September 19, 2017, President Trump's personal account at Real Donald Trump responded to a tweet from the IRA-controlled account at 10 underscore GOP which is the backup account of at T-E-N underscore G-O-P, which had already been deactivated by Twitter. The tweet read, we love you, Mr. President. IRA employees monitored the reaction of the Trump campaign and later Trump administration officials to their tweets. For example, on August 23rd, 2016, the IRA controlled Controlled persona Matt Skyber Facebook account sent a message to a U.S. Tea Party activist writing that Mr. Trump posted about our event in Miami. This is great. The IRA employee included a screenshot of candidate Trump, candidate Trump's Facebook account, which included a post about the August 20th, 2016 political rallies organized by the IRA. All the footnotes are examples of social media posts that the aforementioned folks reposted. Page 35, the first sentence is redacted due to harm to ongoing matter. B, contact with Trump campaign officials in connection to rallies. Starting in June 2016, the IRA contacted different U.S. persons affiliated with the Trump campaign in an effort to coordinate pro-Trump IRA organized rallies inside the United States. In all cases, the IRA contacted the campaign while claiming to be U.S. political activists working on behalf of a conservative 
grassroots organization. The IRA's contacts included requests for signs and other materials to use at rallies, as well as requests to promote the rallies and help coordinate logistics. While certain campaign volunteers agreed to provide the requested support, for example, agreeing to set aside a number of signs, the investigation has not identified evidence that any Trump campaign official understood the requests were coming from foreign nationals. In sum, the investigation established that Russia interfered in the 2016 presidential election through the active measures, social media campaign carried out by the IRA, an organization funded by Prigozhin and companies that he controlled. As, ex- as explained further in Volume 1, Section 5, the office concluded and a grand jury has alleged that Prigozhin, his companies, and IRA employees violated U.S. law through these operations, principally by undermining through deceptive acts the work of federal agencies charged with regulating foreign influence in U.S. elections. Russian hacking and dumping operations. Beginning in March 2016, units of the Russian Federation's main intelligence directorate of the general staff, GRU, hacked the computers and email accounts of organizations, employees, and volunteers supporting the Clinton campaign, including the email account of campaign chairman John Podesta. Starting in April 2016, the GRU hacked into the computer networks of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, the DCCC, and the Democratic National Committee, DNC. The GRU targeted hundreds of email accounts used by Clinton campaign employees, advisors, and volunteers. In total, the GRU stole hundreds of thousands of documents from the compromised email accounts and networks. The GRU later released stolen Clinton campaign and DNC documents through online personas. DC Leaks and Guccifer 2.0 and later through the organization WikiLeaks. The release of the documents was designed and timed to interfere with the 2016 U.S. presidential election and undermine the Clinton campaign. The Trump campaign showed interest in the WikiLeaks releases and in the summer and fall of 2016, all of this next sentence is redacted due to harm to ongoing matter. WikiLeaks first Clinton related release redacted. The Trump campaign stayed in contact redacted about WikiLeaks activities. The investigation was unable to resolve redacted WikiLeaks release of the stolen Podesta emails on October 7th, 2016. The same day a video from year years earlier was published. The same day, a video from years earlier was published of Trump using graphic language about women. GRU hacking directed at the Clinton campaign. GRU units target the Clinton campaign. Two military units of the GRU carried out the computer intrusions into the Clinton campaign, DNC and DCCC. Military units 26165 and 74455. Military Unit 26165 is a GRU cyber unit dedicated to targeting military political, governmental, and non-governmental organizations outside of Russia, including in the United States. The unit was subdivided into departments with different specialties. One department, for example, developed specialized malicious software, malware, while another department conducted large-scale spear phishing campaigns. The next redaction is for investigative technique, a Bitcoin mining operation, 
to secure bitcoins used to purchase computer infrastructure used in hacking operations. I'm going to read this footnote because this is the only thing we have about this sentence that was redacted. Uh, it's footnote 113. Bitcoin mining consists of unlocking new bitcoins by solving computational problems. Part of this is redacted, kept its newly mined coins in an account on the Bitcoin exchange platform, CEX.io. To make purchases, the GRU routed funds into other accounts through transactions designed to obscure the source of funds. Military Unit 74455 is a related GRU unit with multiple departments that engaged in cyber operations. Unit 74455 assisted in the release of documents stolen by Unit 26165. The promotion of those releases and the publication of anti-Clinton content on social media accounts operated by the GRU. Officers from Unit 74455 separately hacked computers belonging to state boards of elections, secretaries of state, and U.S. companies that supplied software and other technology related to the administration of U.S. elections. Beginning in mid-March 2016, Unit 26165 had primary responsibility for hacking the DCCC and DNC, as well as email accounts of individuals affiliated with the Clinton campaign. Unit 26165 used Redacted to learn about Redacted, different Democratic websites, including Democrats.org, HillaryClinton.com, DNC.org, and DCCC.org. The next full sentence is redacted. Began before the GRU had obtained any credentials or gained access to these networks, indicating that the later DCCC and DNC intrusions were not crimes of opportunity, but rather the result of targeting. GRU officers also sent hundreds of spear phishing emails to the work and personal email accounts of Clinton campaign employees and volunteers. Between March 10th, 2016 and March 15, 2016, Unit 26165 appears to have sent approximately 90 spear phishing emails to email accounts at HillaryClinton.com. Starting on March 15, 2016, the GRU began targeting Google email accounts used by Clinton campaign employees along with a smaller number of DNC.org email accounts. The GRU spear phishing operation enabled it to gain access to numerous email accounts of Clinton campaign employees and volunteers, including campaign chairman John Podesta, junior volunteers assigned to the Clinton campaign's advance team, informal Clinton campaign advisors, and a DNC employee. GRU officials stole tens of thousands of emails from spear phishing victims, including including various Clinton campaign release communications. Intrusions into the DCCC and DNC networks, A, initial access. By no later than April 12, 2016, the GRU had gained access to the DCCC computer network using the credential stolen from a DCCC employee who had been successfully Spearfishing the week, spearfished the week before. Wow. Over the ensuing weeks, the GRU traversed the network, identifying different computers connected to the DCCC network by stealing network access credentials along the way, including those of IT administrators with unrestricted access to the system, the GRU compromised approximately 29 different computers on the DCCC network. 
approximately six days after first hacking into the DCCC network on April 8, 2016, GRU officers gained access to the DNC network via a virtual private network connection between the DCCC and DNC networks. Just want to read this footnote. Um, a VPN extends a private network, allowing users to send and receive data across public networks, such as the Internet, as if the connecting computer was directly connected to the private network. The, the VPN in this case has been had been created to give a small number of DCCC employees access to certain databases housed on the DNC network. Therefore, while the DCCC employees were outside the DNC's private network, they could access parts of the DNC network from their DCCC computers. Approximately six days after the first hacking into the DCCC network on April 18, 2016, GRU officers gained access to the DNC network via virtual private network VPN connection between the DCCC and DNC networks. Between April 18, 2016 and June 8, 2016, Unit 26165 compromised more than 30 computers on the DNC network, including the DNC mail server and shared file server. Implantation of malware on DCCC and DNC networks. Unit 26165 implanted on the DCCC and DNC networks two types of customized malware known as X-Agent and X-Tunnel. Mimicat's a credential harvesting tool and RAR.exe, a tool used in these intrusions to compile and compress materials for exfiltration. X-Agent was a multifunction hacking tool that allowed Unit 26165 to log keystrokes take screenshots, and gather other data about the infected computers, for example, file directories and operating systems. X-Tunnel was a hacking tool that created an encrypted connection between the victim, DCCC or DNC computers, and GRU-controlled computers outside the DCCC and DNC networks that was capable of large-scale data transfers. GRU officers then used X-Tunnel to exfiltrate stolen data from the victim computers. To operate X-Agent and X-Tunnel on the DCCC and DNC networks, Unit 26165 officers set up a group of computers outside those networks to communicate with the implanted malware. The first set of GRU-controlled computers, known by the GRU as middle servers, sent and received messages to and from malware on the DNC or DCCC networks. The middle servers in turn relayed a message to a second set of GRU controlled computers labeled internally by the GRU as an AMS panel. The AMS panel served as a nerve center through which GRU officers monitored and directed the malware's operation on the DNC DCCC networks. The AMS panel used to control X-Agent during the DCCC and DNC intrusions was housed on a leased computer near Arizona. That is so crazy. (laughs) The rest of this is redacted for investigative techniques. 
The Arizona, page 40, the Arizona-based AMS panel also stored thousands of files containing key logging sessions captured through X-Agent. These sessions were captured as GRU officers monitored DCCC and DNC employees' work on infected computers regularly between April 2016 and June 2016. Data captured in these key logging sessions included passwords, internal communications between employees, banking information, and sensitive personal information. C, theft of documents from DNC and DCCC networks. Officers from Unit 26165 stole thousands of documents from the DCCC and the DNC networks, including significant amounts of data pertaining to the 2016 U.S. federal elections, stolen documents, including internal strategy documents, fundraising data, opposition research, and emails from the work inboxes of DNC employees. The GRU began stealing DCCC data shortly after it gained access to the network. On April 14, 2016, approximately three days after the initial intrusion, GRU officers downloaded RAR.exe onto the DCCC's document server. The following day, the GRU searched one compromised DCCC computer for files containing search terms that included Hillary, DNC, Cruz, and Trump. On April 25, 2016, the GRU collected and compressed PDF and Microsoft documents from folders on the DCCC shared file server that pertain to the 2016 election. The GRU appears to have compressed and exfiltrated over 70 gigabytes of data from this file server. The GRU also stole documents from the DNC network shortly after gaining access. On April 22, 2016, the GRU copied files from the DNC network to GRU control computers. Stolen documents included the DNC's operation opposition research into candidate Trump. Between approximately May 25, 2016 and June 1, 2016, GRU officers accessed the DNC's mail server from a GRU controlled computer leased inside the United States. During these connections, Unit 26165 officers appeared to have stolen thousands of emails and attachments, which were later released by WikiLeaks in July 2016. There's a footnote that says in the Nataik Show Show indictment, paragraph 29, the last in time DNC email released by WikiLeaks was dated May 25th, 2016, the same period of time during which the GRU gained access to the DNC email server. B, dissemination of the hacked materials. The GRU's operation operations extended beyond stealing materials and included releasing documents stolen from the Clinton campaign and its supporters. The GRU carried out the anonymous release through two fictitious online personas that it created, DC Leaks and Guccifer 2.0, and later through the organization WikiLeaks. One, DC leaks. The GRU began planning the releases at least as early as April 19, 2016, when Unit 26165 registered the domain dcleaks.com through a service that an, an anonymized, anonymized, yeah, the registrant. Unit 26165 paid for the registration using a pool of Bitcoin that it had mined. The dcleaks.com landing page pointed to different tranches of stolen documents arranged by victim or subject matter. 
Other DCLeaks.com pages contained indexes of the stolen emails that were being released, bearing the sender, recipient, and date of the email. To control access and the timing of releases, pages were sometimes password protected for a period of time and later made unrestricted to the public. Starting in June 2016, the GRU posted stolen documents onto the website DCLeaks.com, including documents stolen from a number of individuals associated with the Clinton campaign. These documents appeared to have originated from personal email accounts, in particular, Google and Microsoft accounts, rather than the DNC and DCCC computer networks. DC Leaks victims included an advisor to the Clinton campaign, a former DNC employee and Clinton campaign employee, and four other campaign volunteers. The GRU released through DCLeaks.com thousands of documents, including personal identifying and financial information, internal correspondence related to the Clinton campaign and prior political jobs, and fundraising files and information. GRU officers operated a Facebook page under the DC Leaks moniker, which they primarily used to promote releases of materials. The Facebook page was administered through a small number of pre-existing GRU-controlled Facebook accounts. GRU officers also used the DC Leaks Facebook account, the Twitter account at DC Leaks underscore, and the email account dcleaksproject at gmail.com to communicate privately with reporters and other U.S. persons. GRU officers using the DC Leaks persona gave certain reporters early access to archives of leaked files by sending them links and passwords to pages on the dcleaks.com website that had not yet become public. For example, on July 14, 2016, GRU officers operated operating under the DC Leaks persona sent a link and password for a non-public DC Leaks webpage to a U.S. reporter via the Facebook account. Similarly, on September 14, 2016, GRU officers sent reporters Twitter direct messages from at DCLeaks underscore with a password to another non-public part, non-public part of the DCLeaks.com website. The DCLeaks.com website remains operational and public until March 2017. 2. Guccifer 2.0 On June 14, 2016, the DNC and its cyber response team announced the breach of the DNC network and suspected theft of DNC documents. In the statements, the cyber response team alleged that Russian state-sponsored actors, which they referred to as Fancy Bear, were responsible for the breach. Apparently, in response to that announcement, on June 15, 2016, GRU officers using the persona Guccifer 2.0 created a WordPress blog. In the hours leading up to the launch of that WordPress blog, GRU officers logged into a Moscow-based server used and managed by Unit 74455 and searched for a number of specific words and phrases in English, including some hundred sheets, Illuminati, and worldwide known. Approximately two hours after the last of those searches, Guccifer 2.0 published its first post, attributing the DNC server hack to a lone Romanian hacker and using several of the unique English words and phrases that the GRU officers had searched for that day. That same day, 
June 15, 2016, the GRU also used the Guccifer 2.0 WordPress blog to begin releasing to the public documents stolen from the DNC and DCCC computer networks. The Guccifer 2.0 persona ultimately released thousands of documents stolen from the DNC and DCCC in a series of blog posts between June 15, 2016 and October 18, 2016. There's a footnote about the dates. The release of documents on the Guccifer 2.0 blog occurred on June 15, 2016, June 20, 2016, June 21, 2016, July 6, 2016, July 14, 2016, August 12, 2016, August 15, 2016, August 21, 2016, August 31, 2016, September 15, 2016, September 23, 2016, October 4th, 2016, and October 18th, 2016. Release documents included opposition research performed by the DNC, including a memorandum analyzing potential criticisms of candidate Trump, internal policy documents such as recommendations on how to address politically sensitive issues, analyses of specific congressional races and fundraising documents. Releases were organized around thematic issues such as specific states, for example, Florida and Pennsylvania that were perceived as competitive in the 2016 U.S. presidential election. Beginning in late June 2016, the GRU also used the Guccifer 2.0 persona to release documents directly to reporters and other interested individuals. Specifically on June 27, 2016, Guccifer 2.0 sent an email to the news outlet, The Smoking Gun, offering to provide exclusive access to some leaked emails linked to Hillary Clinton's staff. The GRU later sent the reporter a password and link to a locked portion of the DCLeaks.com website that contained an archive of emails stolen by Unit 26165 from a Clinton campaign volunteer in March 2016. That the Guccifer 2.0 persona provided reporters access to a restricted portion of the DC Leak website tends to indicate that both personas were operated by the same or a closely related group of people. This footnote says, with footnote 150, that before sending the reporter the link and password to the closed DC Leaks website, and in an apparent effort to deflect attention from the fact that the DC Leaks and Guccifer 2.0 were operated by the same organization, the Guccifer 2.0 persona sent the reporter an email stating that DC Leaks was a WikiLeaks sub-project and that Guccifer 2.0 had asked DC Leaks to release the leaked emails with closed access to give reporters a few of them, a preview of them. No, I can't read. To give reporters a preview of them. The GRU continued its release efforts through Guccifer 2.0 into August 2016. For example, on August 15th, 2016, the Guccifer 2.0 persona sent a candidate for the U.S. Congress documents related to the candidate's opponent. On August 22nd, 2016, the Guccifer 2.0 persona transferred approximately 2.5 gigabytes of Florida-related data stolen from the DCCC to a U.S. blogger covering Florida politics. On August 22nd, 2016, the Guccifer 2.0 persona 
sent a U.S. reporter documents stolen from the DCCC pertaining to the Black Lives Matter movement. The GRU was also in contact through the Guccifer 2.0 persona with Redacted, a former Trump campaign member. Uh, the next sentence is redacted for harm to ongoing matter, as well as the accompanying footnote in early August 2016, redacted Twitter suspension of the Guccifer 2.0 Twitter account. After it was reinstated, GRU officers posing as Guccifer 2.0 wrote redacted via private message. Thank you for writing back. Do you find anything interesting in how in the docu- in the docs I posted? On August 17, 2016, the GRU added, please tell me if I can help you anyhow. It would be a great pleasure to me. On September 9, 2016, the GRU again posing as Guccifer 2.0 referred to a stolen DCCC document posted online and asked, redacted, what do you think of the info on the turnout model for the Democrats' entire presidential campaign? Redacted responded, pretty standard. They're all redacted for HOM harm to ongoing matter. The investigation did not identify evidence of other communication between Redacted and Guccifer 2.0. Three, use of WikiLeaks. In order to expand its interference in the 2016 U.S. presidential election, the GRU units transferred many of the documents they stole from the DNC and the chairman of the Clinton campaign to WikiLeaks. GRU officers used both the DC Leaks and Guccifer 2.0 personas to communicate with WikiLeaks through Twitter, private messaging, and through encrypted channels, including possibly through WikiLeaks' private communication system. A WikiLeaks expressed opposition toward the Clinton campaign. WikiLeaks, and particularly its founder, Julian Assange, privately expressed opposition to candidate Clinton well before the first release of stolen documents. In November 2015, Assange wrote to other members and associates of WikiLeaks that we believe it would be much better for GOP to win. Dems plus medias plus liberals would sick would sorry um, he spelled wood wrong would then form a block to reign in their worst qualities with Hillary in charge GOP will be pushing for her worst qualities Dems plus media plus neoliberals will be mute she's a bright well-connected sadistic sociopath we all my children of the light, born in the sinning, but steady striving to do right. My people are warriors, all we know is to fight, pray, they see God in everything I write here.